Happy New Year. Happy New Year. If you're online, thanks for joining us. Um, Anybody notice anything about the parking lot? It's getting further and further away. You know, the, the progress typically is inconvenient. And one of the privileges of being a member at our church is you get to park out there so that the new guests can park closer. It's a privilege, counter to privilege, right? Uh, and uh, so anyhow, I'm excited. They're, they got that part of the parking lot pretty much done and then they're gonna start working on the building. I don't know when, but I'm hoping to be in by next Christmas so that uh, we can have one big, huge service and not have to chase people away because that's what we did Christmas Eve. I think people had to leave because there was no parking. Uh, there was no room in the inn. Uh, for, for, so it teach you anything to be early, right? Uh, but I just want to, again, thank you so much for being here. And I got some announcements. Uh, Pastor Stevie and Kristen are on vacation, at least supposed to be on vacation. I see a famous, familiar face here in the crowd uh, because she wanted to come and worship. Uh, Pastor Stevie just wanted to be heathen, so he stayed home. <laughs> just went He's still sleeping. Oh, we should pray for him. Uh, and uh, it's 1026, and normally we have an 11 o'clock service, so I thought what we would do today would be kind of fun would be to just leave all your jackets on, you know, on the chairs, and I can leave my shirt up here, and we'll go hide. And so whoever shows up will think the rapture happened, and uh, we may see revival in CUNA yet. Um, but that would be funny. That would be a funny thing. All right, well, normally Pastor Stevie... It has announcements, so I get to do it. I'm not very good at it. Um, if you're brand new, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we do have a cup for you if you want to go to the information booth afterwards. And there's also a connect card. Just lets us know who you are because uh, we, we do want to know your name. You know, we're not going to hound you to come back. Uh, my thing is if we do a good enough job and you like it, you'll come back. If you don't like it, we don't really want you to come back because you'll probably hate me and then you'll spread bad things about me online which has never happened before. Uh, but uh, anyway, we're just thankful that you're here. And then also this coming Wednesday, we resume our normal services. So uh, we will uh, continue in the book of Exodus. And again, if you're in a spot in life where you're just like, what, what does God want of me? Um, I encourage you to come on Wednesday night. We go through, the, go through verse by verse. We're going through the life of Moses, how um, you know, God just protected him and saved him and called him, but it wasn't easy. He had to go through a lot of hard things. Um, he ends up murdering a guy out of good intentions to save somebody, then it comes back on him and he has to flee the country uh, for 40 years. And he's like in the desert for 40 years going, okay, God, I thought you called me to do something. Uh, but just because you get delayed in life doesn't mean God's denying you something. All right, there's a there's seasons that we have to go through. All right, so that, that we start that on Wednesday nights. So we have ministry for everybody. And um, again, next week is our normal service times, 9.30 and 11 a.m. Also, I'm supposed to mention the offering. Please give. <laughs> start off tithing, right? If you haven't tithed this year, uh, tithe, tithing works, I promise you. It works. When you give, God will give back to you. Uh, you know, it's 10% of your income. Don't make it complicated. Uh, I, I had a good friend. He said, you know, I, I have a hard time living on 100%, but I get by on 90% just fine. Yep. Right? God will always provide. All right. You ready for the word? Yes. All right. New Year's Day 2023. Matthew chapter 2. Uh, this is after Christmas. We, we've been going through December about, you know, the birth of Jesus and all that. Uh, what happens after the birth? And we're going to talk today about that. Um, the title would be God's plan isn't always easy, but it is always worth it. God's plan isn't always easy, but it is always worth it. And uh, can, can we go back to the, the chess? Is there a chess board? Yeah, there we go. All right. Uh, how many of y'all play chess? My hand, my hand is just up for you. I don't play chess. I've never played chess in my life. Um, I would get killed in chess. 
Like I just, I, the strategy maybe, um, I might get a little bit impatient, but I don't play, I know some of the, the and we're going to use this January as like a, a chess board. Like God, his whole plan is like a chess game. Um, and it's not a game to God, but it's like a chess game. He's going to move things. Um, some of you are called to be kings, some queens, some rooks, some, what, what's the lowest? A pawn. Okay. I don't want to be a pawn. Well, maybe God wants you to be a pawn. He might be, what can God do with a pawn? He can do a lot with a pawn, right? He can do a lot with a pawn. And so we're going to look at like a chessboard of how God moves things and things over here have to be moved for you to get here. And oftentimes we just like, oh, I don't want to be a pawn. I want to be the king. Well, if you're seeking to be the king, you probably shouldn't be. You have to learn how to be a good pawn before you can be a good king, right? And so, so we're going to go through that, that thing, kind of a chess game that, that God is arranging things that you have no idea what he's doing, but he has to do it to get you to the place that he needs you to be. And we need to be okay with that. We need to be okay with, with God's timing, and you don't become a, a, a pawn to a king in, in a day. There's always a process that we go through. And so recapping the birth of Jesus, uh, we looked at Mary's life where she had this wedding, and she was engaged to this great guy named Joseph. And um, as, as a young girl, as any girl would that is looking forward to her wedding day, had it all planned out in her mind of what the colors would be, bridesmaids, all these things. And back then, the weddings were huge. They weren't just a one-day deal. It was a week-long festival. Big deal. And then an angel shows up to her, you know, she's 13, 14 years old and says, hey, uh, you're going to be pregnant. And she's like, I'm a virgin. How's that going to happen? He's like, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. She's like, okay. She was willing to go through it. Um, and she was labeled, okay? She was labeled. She, they thought she had, you know, committed fornication because that's the only way you can get pregnant. You can't be, get pregnant without having an intimate relationship with a man and then be like, well, God did it. Because people won't believe you, right? People, people don't believe sometimes when God calls you to do something uh, because it doesn't look the way they think it should look. They think it can't be God. But God has called Mary to carry the Messiah. So she was labeled, she was shunned, she was talked about, she was gossiped about, yet willing to do what God wanted despite what it looked like to other people. And so through today's lesson, I hope that we can be in that same place, that we will do what God wants us to do despite what it looks like to others. Because the fear of man, the Bible says, will prove to be a snare. If, if you have this great fear of people, you probably won't obey God in all things. Um, and God wants us to be willing okay, to do what he wants us to do, even when it's inconvenient. So that's the question. Are we willing to do what God wants us to do, even when it's inconvenient to our plan? And we should have a plan. We should have a plan. Okay? If we just float through life, you'll end up washed up on a deserted island. Okay? If you don't have a plan, you really won't end up anywhere good. Uh, how would you love to, to you know, go on a vacation and you have no idea where you're going? Now, that might be a great plan, right? <laughs> but it is a plan, yeah. If you get on your Harley and you're just like, yeah, I'm just going to go, that might be fun. But, but if, you, if you get you know, onto an airplane and you ask the pilot, hey, where are we going? He has no idea. Maybe in the middle of the Pacific, I don't know, whatever he's feeling like. You'd be a little bit nervous. But on your, on your ticket on the plane, you have a beginning and an ending, right? But it's the in-between that can throw us off. You ever had delays on, on planes? Like, you just like, this is crazy. Who's ever slept a night in an airport? I've never have, but okay. Was it just a fun experience? Yeah, just wonderful, like great accommodations. Uh, but the good news is you have a story, okay? And if you saw somebody else's hand that went up, you can sympathize with that. I would tell you that God's delay is not always denial. God's delay is not always denial. Sometimes it's a blessing in disguise. But I believe we should have a plan next week. We'll hit that a little bit harder. But here's what I want to do. I want to get up every day determined to live for God and to make someone's life better in some way. And when you do that, because a lot of people say, I don't know what my purpose is. Your, your purpose is to be a blessing to somebody else. 
Period. I mean, that's, we, we complicate this. You know, I don't know what God wants me to do. He wants you to love people. He already told you that. We don't want to love people. <laughs> well, is it going to be inconvenient to love people? Sometimes. Okay. It was inconvenient for Jesus to leave heaven, to come down, take on the body of a man and die for us. The least we can do is be a blessing to somebody else. And when you are an encourager, okay, you will find yourself in God's will. But for Mary and Joseph, it's been hard. And what has been hard is about to get harder. She's nine months pregnant. Okay, this, this crazy leader says, hey, I want you to go home to your hometown to register so I can tax you. And she gets on this donkey and travels, you know, all these miles, about 50 miles to get to the hometown of Bethlehem where she gives birth to a baby boy. She was probably shunned by family. We talked about this, like they should have welcomed them into their homes. Bethlehem was the town where Joseph was from. It was, it was from the town of David. And so his line was there. He had family, but nobody welcomed them home. There wasn't even room in the inn. There was just room in a stable. And so she had this little baby boy, probably just him and her, all by themselves, no doctor, nothing else but animals around, in a lonely, dark place. The Savior was born. Now, that's not how we would think that a king would be born. Like, if, if you pay attention to, you know, princes and princess, princes and princesses of the world, when there's a baby to be born, what do they call it? Like the royal birth. It's a big deal, right? It makes, this, this was not a big deal. Okay. They were by themselves. They had this child. So this was an inconvenient time. All right. And so, so a few things happened after the birth, they took baby Jesus to uh, the synagogue there and the, the shepherds came. We talked about this last week. The shepherds came and they, they were like, wow, this is the Messiah um, and angels. It was, it was a huge deal. And they take baby Jesus to dedicate him. And there's a man named Simeon there, old guy who's been in the temple for a long, long time. And he sees baby Jesus. And there was a prophecy that God had told him, you will see the Messiah before you die. And Simeon sees the baby and he's like, Mary, this is him. This, this is the Messiah. And then he's like, Lord, take me home. I love it. <laughs> he's like, okay, God, last thing, can you take me home now? Because he was tired of it. And also another woman named Anna. So if you read ahead of the story in the book of Luke, um, Anna was a prophetess. And it says she was a widow and she'd never left the temple. She stayed there and prayed all the time. And she saw Jesus too and said like, this is the Messiah. So there's this hardship and then there's this encouragement. Like your baby's gonna be great. And so I think Mary's like, wow, this is really worth it because he's the Messiah. It's gonna be really, really good. And then something bad happens again. Life is about seasons. So We'll take up the story of Matthew chapter 2, 1 through 12. I'm going to read 1 through 12, and then we'll talk about it. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east, it does not say three Magi. The song, We Three Kings, doesn't say they were kings. So we need to get our scripture. You know, they, they brought three types of gifts, and I think that's where they get the three kings. And they didn't come to the birthplace. We just got rid of our um, nativity scene yesterday because it was scripturally inaccurate. Um, actually, it was just old and she didn't want us. So if anybody wants one, just let us know because we have a whole nativity scene. Um, we'll probably get a new one next year. Biblically correct. There'll be no magi. Right? There'll be, be shepherds, all right? Don't get hung up on that. I don't think Jesus is going to, you're not going to get to heaven and Peter's going to be like, no, you can't come in because you believe there's three magi and there wasn't. Or I might get corrected and Peter's going to go, dude, there was three. Totally. Why'd you tell everybody different? <laughs> Sorry. All right. So we don't know how many there were. All right. This is a year to a year and a half after Jesus was born. Okay. This wasn't at the birth. Again, we kind of put the story together. Um, and, and so Magi from the East came to Jerusalem and they asked this question. It's the first question in the New Testament. Where is the one? 
Where is the one? They, they come and they're looking, where's the king? He was born. Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. Now, I think they were shocked when they came and asked this question, where's the king that was born? And people were like, what? They're like, the king of the Jews was born here. We saw the star. You don't know about this? This is the first we've heard of it. They, they don't know. So how is it that Magi from far away could come and seek a king that the one he was going to be king over didn't even know about? That's bad, right? That's a bad deal. And they're like, what are you talking about? And, and so they knew more than the people of Israel. When King Herod, who was a tyrant, this is Herod the Great. This is Herod the Great, who I think was about four foot ten. Yeah, I got a lot on this dude, but he had little man's complex in a huge way. Right. Like he, he killed family members, he killed wives. I mean, he was not a good man. Uh, very, very power hungry. When King Herod, he named himself Herod the Great. When, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And then he called together all the chief priests to teachers of the law. And he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, they said, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, go and make a careful search for the child, again, not the baby, the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. I wrote, he lied. I wrote that in my Bible. He lied. After he had heard the king, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. So you got the star, which probably an angel was just floating. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed on coming to the house. They're not in a stable. When they come to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him and they opened up their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route, all right? Again, Jesus is probably one and a half, two years old. They're still in Bethlehem here. You know, what bothers me is that there's no history of what happened okay, from the birth to this point. They didn't go back to Nazareth. They stayed in Bethlehem. Did, did Joseph get a job? Did they need carpenters there? Uh, what, was, what, what happened during those times? Was it a time of peace? Was it a time of rest? Was it possible that Joseph was protecting his wife from all the gossips? Was it possible that he said, Nazareth, we shouldn't go back there. Like they're already talking trash about you. They're going to talk trash even more. And they're going to talk trash to our baby. And we just need to stay in Bethlehem. And I'm sure that Mary probably said, that sounds like a good idea. Can we get a house? And he probably said, I will, I will go to work on a house, right? Because every man wants his wife to be happy. At least every good man does, right? right. And the ladies are like, not my man. Uh, right. He, he, prob he probably does. He probably just doesn't know how. But all the men that I know, they want their wife to be happy. We really do. We just don't always how to make that happen. But Joseph's character, we know he was a good man. He was a hard worker. He was a man that I believe just said, okay, I'm going to get this thing done. And Bethlehem was temporary. It was a place of rest. They had had a hardship. They had, had a lot of things they went through. And I think they went through a season of rest, whether it was a year, year and a half, two years, however long that was, it was a season of rest. My point is this, do the best you can where you're at. You may not like your Bethlehem right now. You may not like your job. You may not even like your marriage. You might not like your children. You better like your pastor, <laughs> right? Uh, if not, there's always other choices, right? Uh, and... and <laughs> Don't take that personal, all right? Because I want you to stay. 
But you understand what I'm saying. Uh, you know, if you don't like how churches do certain things, right? As long as they're not preaching anti-doctrine, it's kind of a personal thing, right? Just a preference. It's a preference thing. I love sour cream. My son, Travis, hates sour cream. It probably has something to do with me lying to him as a kid. I said it was whipped cream and I stuck a spoonful into his mouth. But besides that, I was a pretty good dad. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's, he's kind of getting used to it now if it's mixed with steak or something. But we don't know the circumstances. We don't know what they did there. But I will tell you this, when you are faithful with little, you will be faithful with much. If God can trust you with little things, he can trust you with big things, right? Do everything is unto the Lord. So if you're in a workplace or in a, a spot now that you just like, this is not any fun, I would say, okay, this is the verse, do everything is unto the Lord. Say, God, I'm gonna, I don't like my situation. This is a hard place to work. It's a hard place to be. My marriage is rough, but God, I'm gonna do everything as unto the Lord. I'm gonna serve you. I'm gonna honor you, God. Even if I'm not appreciated by my boss or my spouse or wherever it is, whoever it is, I know that you appreciate my effort. And I love that verse. Do everything as unto the Lord. It'll, it'll keep you going. God is about to move them to Egypt. There's a prophecy, okay? There's a prophecy that was spoken in the Old Testament that the Messiah would also come out of Egypt. So how can that happen? They have to get to Egypt. But I will tell you this, the circumstances are not fun. They did not get on, you know, uh, Emirates and fly first class from Bethlehem to Egypt, right? There was a death threat that would happen. I want you to think about this. It's already been kind of a hard few years for Mary and Joseph. They had, I think, a time of reprieve in Bethlehem. And now Jesus will be hunted. Moms, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your, your two-year-old being hunted by somebody, but hunted by the government, hunted by people. There's a bounty probably on his head. Herod's like, find this kid and kill him because there's a threat. He's a threat to his thing. Magi, again, they show up here and with funding. And I love this. God provides funding for this trip. We know that Mary and Joseph were poor, okay? Just carpenter's wage. They, they were just getting by. And all of a sudden you have these guys show up unannounced, there was no text message. There was no Facebook post. Hey, the Magi are here. All right, there was no Life 360 where they could see where the Magi were getting close. They're almost here. These guys just show up out of nowhere, and they're like, hey, is this, are you marrying Joseph? And they're like, why are you asking? Well, there's a star, and, and we, we know that the Messiah was born. They're like, yeah. And they're like, we have a few things for you. And they, they show up, and I think there's this huge amount of encouragement. They go from poor to rich in a day. Can you imagine the things that, that Mary thought of when she saw all this cash. Ladies, I'll tell you, if, if somebody showed up to your house with a bunch of gold and said, here you go, you'd be like, pioneer woman, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. Right, ladies? Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. Joseph's probably like, new tools, baby. Like, I could get a, I get a new DeWalt instead of the old handsaw. I mean, he's, he, they're probably thinking, right? I got, there was no money, and all of a sudden there's a ton of money. And I will tell you something, that, that these kings did not bring chump change. They, these kings did not go, oh, yeah, I got a few bucks. Here you go. When they are going to take the time to travel as far as they did, to take something to a king, Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, things that were worth a lot. It wasn't chump change. It wasn't leftovers. It wasn't just a little bit. They brought, I'm guessing, loads, because that's what you bring a king, right? The question is, is what do you bring Jesus? What do you bring Jesus? Do you bring him just like the leftovers? Do you bring him like kind of, well, if I have enough, then I'll give it to God, or do we bring our best? And I'm not talking just financially. I'm talking like every part of our life. Do we bring our best? 
And so this was a load of money, and this is great. It's like, wow, we have money. We can get a new house, and Joseph's probably thinking, I can build this. And, and Mary's giving him, you know, seven steps ahead. Can you build a mantle? Can you build a shelving? Can you do this? And he's like, babe, let's just focus on one at a time. I'm just talking from personal experience. Like, can we, can we just get this done? Because Mary was probably a dreamer. And then something happened. You ever had a financial blessing and then your car breaks? Yeah. Or an appliance breaks down? It's like, I got it. Don't ever say, I got extra money out loud. The devil goes, what? Right. <laughs> I'm going to mess with you. We all understand that. There's really no such thing as extra money, is there? It's, it's, it's kind of a crazy deal. Um, again, we can talk about some finances at a later time, you know, the how to save and whatnot. And I think it's important to do that. But starting over in Bethlehem, there was a financial struggle. Magistrate, they win the lottery, basically. Man, life is good. God is so good. God is so... And they're probably singing the praises of Jesus, maybe. I asked my wife the other day, I said, babe, what do you think Jesus calls Mary in heaven? <laughs> hey, mom, <laughs> why don't you introduce you to the new guy? I don't, I don't know if he does or not. Don't take that wrong. I just, I'm just thinking outside. What, what does Jesus call Mary in heaven? Because you know she's got a special place, right? Uh, she, she's still, she's there. She's a good, was a good woman. But I was wondering, what, what does Jesus call his, his mom in heaven? I don't think he calls her, hey, surrogate. <laughs> I know I was in you. I think, I think there's a, I think there's a, yeah, yeah. No, I think he, I think he, I bet he calls her mom. I bet we'll probably laugh and be like, oh, um, I don't know. It's just, there's no scriptural basis of that. It's just how my brain wonders, okay? God, you're so good. You're so good. And then an angel shows up in the middle of the night. <laughs> Joseph, you got to leave. Your baby just got put on a hit list. He's the Messiah, but there's death threats. So let's read the story. Uh, continue on Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 through 18. It says, when they had gone, the Magi, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. This angel showing up to him again. The last time angel showed up to him, he's like, dude, Mary's telling you the truth. Like, she's going to be with child, and it's, the baby is of the Holy Spirit, so you need to marry. Everything's going to be cool. And now he's saying you need to get up and leave. So he got up, took the child and his mother in the middle of the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled the, the, what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I will call my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders, and this is horrible, he gave orders to kill all of the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. And that's why we believe that Jesus was around, you know, one and a half, two years old at this point. You see the evil here, that Herod was so evil, he had all the little boys killed. And imagine what that must have done even to Mary emotionally to hear what had happened. Like she was able to flee, but she probably had friends that their little boys were now dead because of this wicked king trying to kill the Messiah. And I think the devil was behind it. So here was the prophecy. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Herod the Great, again, he was an evil madman. This king was a threat to his kingdom and he tried to extinguish it, okay? And evil, insecure leaders will try to eliminate threats. Some of you may work for somebody like this, that they are so insecure, they try to make you look bad, nothing you do is good enough, and that's hard to work for somebody like that. It's hard to work for an insecure person who always tries to put you down. It's hard to be married to somebody like that, okay? That's, that's always looking for what's wrong instead of what's right. And again, my heart is, do everything is unto the Lord. 
But I believe that Satan was behind this whole thing. He was trying to kill the Messiah. But I will tell you this, hear me. If you don't hear anything else I say, hear this. No man can destroy God's plan for your life. No man. No man can do that. Only you can do that. Only you can do that. Only you can do that. I'm going to show you a picture <laughs> so you remember it, right? I grew, up, I grew up with Smokey the Bear. Living in Northern California, we had a ranger station because my dad owned a logging company, so Smokey the Bear was very dear to my heart. And I remember only you can prevent forest fires. And in my logical mind, I'm like, yeah, but I can't prevent lightning. <laughs> so no, not only I can prevent forest fires. Now, I was a little bit of a pyro. I didn't start any, but I wanted to. Um, I did like fire. But I grew up with that, but I showed that picture so that you remember that. Only you can stop God's plan for your life. You can tell God no. Why? Because God gave you a choice. Yeah. We have choices. We can stop God's plan for our life. Now, God can still use us in a way, but we can actually say, God, I'm not going to do what you've asked me to do. I can be rebellious. Okay, life will be miserable if you do that, but we can be rebellious. But again, just because you're doing what God wants you to do doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Hardship does not mean you're living in sin. Okay? And it also doesn't mean that you're not living in sin. Like if you're living in sin, you expect hard times. Right. I'm not talking about committing a sin. Committing a sin, we all do that. We all mess up. Yeah. I'm talking about living there. Like you live in there, you can, you can fall into a pig pen, but if you choose to live in the pig pen, that's on you. Right? There's a difference. We're all going to fall into the pig pen. Some of us jump into the pig pen. Matter of fact, most sins I commit, I do it on purpose. <laughs> I never, after the sin, go, wow, I didn't see that coming. No, you saw it coming. Like, like you, you got tempted and you gave in to it. That you will encounter resistance when you determine to live for God. You just will. Know that. And I hope that that gives some of you peace and hope to know that I'm trying to do the best that I can. And you, you're like, am I, God, am I doing something wrong? God, am I doing something wrong? Like, that's your prayer. Am I doing something wrong? Says, no. God's like, no, you're doing everything right. Like, you're serving me. Yeah, you fall, but man, you get back up and you keep going and you get forgiveness and you keep trying, you keep battling, you, and you get up and you determine to live for me another day. Yeah, you fall and you get muddy, but you ask for forgiveness and you keep, that's what God is looking for. He's not looking for perfection. He's looking for somebody who's sorry when they sin. And if you're sorry about it, that, that's where your heart should be, right? Because we will fail until the day we die. I can't wait until the day I die. The temptation will no longer be temptation, right? Wouldn't that be good? But until then, we got to keep fighting. We got to keep battling. So this should give us encouragement, not only in our walk with God, but in other parts of life. You see, a conflict-free relationship is not the norm. It's not the norm. There's conflict. The relationships, all right? If, if, you, if you're married and you never have conflict, all right, you're special, right? You're special. Either you have like identical personalities and you like the same flavor of ice cream in the same restaurants. And, and I can imagine you going on a date going, we're just going to follow the spirit. And, and Carl's Jr., that's what I was thinking. Ruth's Chris, that was on my mind, Yay. right? And you just, you're, that, that's special, that's unique, but most marriages have conflict because you have two types of personalities that see things differently, all right? If you're in a conflict-free marriage, sometimes, some of y'all may be just afraid to, to voice your opinion because you're afraid of the reaction, okay? There might be passive compliance, all right? But again, a, a conflict-free relationship is not normal. And I'd imagine that while they were in Egypt, they looked, they spent a lot of time looking over their shoulders. I imagine a, a mom and a dad who somebody is out to kill their two-year-old boy probably look behind their shoulders a lot. He probably was homeschooled. He probably was protected. Jesus is like, mom, can I go to the playground? She's like, well, yeah, but I got to go with you. Imagine the fear that Mary must have had thinking there's a hit on my son. 
There is probably a bounty on his head. There is probably people that are looking and following us and waiting. I, I think that's why they left during the night. So there was no direction of travel because had they left in the day, had they got their little caravan and went, hey, all right, we got to go to Egypt. Angel showed up to me last night. So see y'all. No, then you're leaving evidence as to where you went, right? So they got up in the middle of the night to just gone. I had, a, I had a family here several years ago and I had to wait for some time before I could tell the story. And no, serious, true story. They're a great family, great family. And I was joking with them one Sunday about being in witness protection. Like just joking. I didn't even know what we were talking about. I was like, yeah, you guys are probably witness protection. Two weeks later, they were gone. They were renting a house from a friend of mine. They left in the middle of the night, never to be heard of again from us. And I was like, were they really? Like, maybe I was a prophet and didn't know it. And, and I don't, you know, and maybe they were like, how did this guy know? I'm a man of God. That's why. Uh, but anyway, that really happened here. It was kind of, it was weird. They were like, they get my friend. You're like, yeah. He said, they just left the house, like lost their deposit and everything. Just disappeared off the face of the earth. And uh, so I, I, I won't say that anymore, at least for another year. And... Uh, <laughs> Kind of interesting. So if you are in witness protection, I, I, yeah, just, just be quiet. Just pretend like you're not. All right. I'm not a prophet. Don't want to be. But that was a weird thing. But it reminded me of the story that in the middle of the night, it was so urgent. When, when the angel said, you need to leave, he said, okay. Yeah. Immediate obedience. Like, we'll obey right now. We're not going to, you know, wait a couple weeks. No, it was, it was like, we need to leave now. And they did that. And they were in Egypt. Now think about... Verse 19, okay, I'm gonna have a George Ann go ahead and come back up and she's gonna play keys and we'll get ready to take communion here. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared. Again, we don't know the time frame here. An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and he said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. <sighs> Finally, imagine that news. Somebody who's pursuing your child to kill him is dead. Herod's dead. Herod's dead. Imagine the sigh of relief. And then they get up, they take the child and his mother, and they went to the land of Israel. But when they heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. <laughs> Come on, God. <laughs> like, it was hard, and then it was easy, and then it was hard, and now it's hard again. Come on. That's what I have written in my notes. Come on, all caps. Come on, because sometimes we feel like that, right? It's like, can't one more thing happen? Can one more thing break? Can one more thing go down? Can one more thing go down? If you don't have a communion, just lift your hand up. They'll get you one. That's what that is. Some of you, if you uh, party too hard last night, you might need two. Um, <laughs> just to make sure, make sure it sticks, all right? Come on, Lord. And, and so here's what they did. He's like, his son's raining. His son might be crazy too. And I think there was some legitimacy behind it because it says, having been warmed in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. Back to where they started. Back, they went full circle back to where they started. So it was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. Now, do you see, if you see the pattern here, every place he went, Okay, was a thing of God. He went to Egypt for a while. They went to Bethlehem. Why? Because the Messiah was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. It was prophecy coming. Did they get to Bethlehem out of choice? No. Herod said, we're taking a census. You will go or you will die. That's probably because that's the kind of guy he was. So they had to go to Bethlehem. From Bethlehem to Egypt, there had to be a death threat because who would want to move from Bethlehem to Egypt when life was pretty good there? 
something bad had to happen for them to go there. And, and they go there, then Herod dies, and then they move back, and then they move to Nazareth. Why? Because he would be called a Nazarene. This prophecy, all these prophecies are being fulfilled, and every circumstance to get them to where they needed to be aren't easy. And this is how you can apply it to your life. The hard things that you're going through right now are getting you to a place that God needs you to be right now. Like there's seasons, there's, there's, and you have to understand that if you're newer as a Christian, you gotta understand there are seasons as a Christian. If you're new to marriage or you've been married for 40, 50 years, there are seasons of marriage. There are seasons in any relationship and you have to weather those seasons that aren't fun. Well, I just don't, we just fell out of love. Well, love is a choice, guys. You might fall out of emotion, at least you know, the bubbly feeling emotion. Stick to it. Okay, remember why you got married. Remember the good things about your spouse. Amen. Remember the blessings that, that God has given you. But, but why did it have to be hard? Why did it have to be hard? Couldn't God have just flipped you know, the Herod off the chessboard of life and been done with it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just Herod, boop, done. Jesus King now. <laughs> Couldn't God have done that? Absolutely. He could have killed Herod a long time ago. He could have done that, but he didn't. Could, could God have removed every source of resistance in Joseph and Mary's life? Absolutely. Couldn't an angel have showed up to all the people who were talking smack about Mary sleeping around? Couldn't an angel said, hey, 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 everybody got an announcement. I'm Gabriel, I got something to say, and he's floating above, and okay, she's really telling the truth. Right? She's not a fornicator. She, this is of God. It's the Messiah. Everybody just chill out. God could have done that, but he didn't. Could God have removed every source of resistance in your life? Sure. But when you remove every source of resistance in your life, all you produce is a weakling. All you produce is somebody who can't make it through hard things because it's the struggle that makes you stronger. It's the hard stuff that makes you who you are. It's the hard stuff that builds your character. It's not the time of eating potato chips that, that gets your muscles strong. Like it might do something, just a tiny bit to chip to that, but it's the workout, right? It's the workout. That's what makes you stronger. So if you're facing a struggle, if you're facing a hard thing, I, I really want you to get the point of today that God is doing something in you. And it may not be happening as fast as you would like, and you may not see the light at the end of the tunnel the way that you hope to. But my encouragement today is keep going. You might have had a rough year. 2022 might have been rough for you. And you're like, man, okay, today's a new start. It's a new start. It's a new start. We'll talk about next week that just because the calendar page flips does not mean, okay, change. It doesn't equal that, right? We're, um, next, next week, we're going to really have kind of some nuts and bolts of, okay, this is where my life is. How did I get here? How do I get out of it? And a lot of it has to do with habits, patterns, decisions, okay? So I get to be dad next week. I get to be dad and I get to say, okay, here's, you know, here's where your life is. How, how, do we, how do we improve? And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. So here's some stress again. He was afraid, okay? And this fear again was confirmed by those angels so they go to Nazareth. As the prophet said, all these moves, all these circumstances had to happen to get them to the place that God had for them. Okay, why did it have to be hard? Why did it have to be hard? Sometimes that's just how God works. You see, in our freedom of choices, God allows us to make choices and he allows a man called Herod to make choices. And if God controlled and manipulated everybody's choices, then we wouldn't really have choice. We'd be pre-programmed robots just to do everything right. But because God gives us a choice as humans, we have to sometimes suffer the choices of other people. And that's really what was happening here. 
our freedom of choice, okay? It wouldn't be choice if God manipulated everyone's decisions. So in order for it to be choice, there has to be consequences of those choices. And this also goes for good choices. When you make good choices, good things are gonna happen, right? That's the positive side of it. See, most of life is a result of our choices, and this is great news for us, because this means I can obtain a good life by making good choices. And so here's what I wanna do as we get into our time of communion, all right? And if you're here today, okay, first of all, if you've never asked Jesus to be your savior, y'all need to understand there's a heaven and there's a hell. Again, that's the beauty of Christmas is the reality of hell. There's a eternal fire that is waiting for those who reject what Jesus gave to us. Okay, you can pay for your own sins in hell for eternity. You can make that choice and God will allow you to do that. But that's not God's plan for your life. God's plan was that you would accept the forgiveness of his son Acknowledge, like, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Jesus, I, I need you to forgive me. And when you accept that, that gets your name written in the book of life. And when you die, you go to heaven. It's that easy, okay? That's what communion represents. It represents what Jesus did for us. So if you bow your heads for just a moment, and if you're here and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, and you want to do that, if you just lift your hand up, say, Stan, that's me. I'm, I've never, I've, maybe I've grown up in church, but I never really asked Jesus to forgive me my sins. Is there anybody that needs to do that? And if you do, just, just lift your hand up. I'm not gonna point you out or embarrass you, but if that's you, okay. All right, I don't see one hand today. I hope that, I hope that means that we're all ready to go, okay? And if you were too scared to lift your hand, it's an easy prayer. As we take communion, it's an easy prayer to say, Jesus, please forgive me. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that I need you and I ask you to forgive me. Come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. It's that easy to secure heaven as your home. Isn't that good? It's that easy? It is. As Jesus was meeting with his disciples before he was to be crucified, he passed bread around and he said, this is my body, it's broken for you. He said, do this in remembrance of me. He said, whenever you do it, there's not a, you know, we do it on the first Sunday of the month, but there's not a specific time the Bible says you have to do communion here or you missed it. No, he says, whenever you do it, Okay, do it in remembrance of me. For me, the body represents self-control. It represents the fact that Jesus lived a perfect life. He did. And he lived in a way that just, just honored God in everything he did. So Lord, we thank you for the life that Jesus lived, an example, Father, that we'll never obtain, but we can try to do the best we can with it. And we just honor you by, by just taking this bread together as a family. In the same way he took the cup and he passed it around and mine won't open up. I hope that's not a bad sign. <laughs> there we go. All right. And he took the cup and he passed it around. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. And, and Jesus knew that we would sin. He, he knew that we would blow it. But he said, my blood is what cleanses you. And so Jesus, we thank you for the blood that you shed. We thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, let us search our hearts now. If there's somebody in our life that we need to forgive, Father, we forgive them. If there's forgiveness we need, Lord, we ask that you please forgive us for our sins. But we thank you for what this represents. It's a new start. And I bless this year as we take this together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right.